0: Join me in a word of prayer. Father, I pray that uh, despite the weakness of my flesh, the fatigue of my body, that your powerful word would go forth to renew our lives. We invite your invincible Holy Spirit. We welcome all of his influence upon us. We ask that you would glorify yourself through glorifying Yeshua in your stumbling service for your name's sake. Amen. Okay, kiddies. I wanna to talk to you a bit about shame and honor in the Bible. I asked you to pay attention to the readings today and I'm sure almost all of you did. We learned about the woman captive who's captured as a prisoner of war. It's really remarkable that the Torah demands that she, when she comes into your house, that you're to let her take off her slave garments, trim her nails, uh, uh, do various things as a sign of mourning. She's, she's allowed to mourn for 30 days for her family that she's now separated from who may be dead in the war. But the point is, is she's given honor. She's a captive, but she's not treated like property. In fact, the man in this passage is told, if perchance you go tired of her, you just don't discard her or sell her like a slave because you, you've humiliated her. You let her go free where she will. And then the very next passage also talks about Kavod, about honor, talks about a man who has two wives. One is loved and the other one is not loved. And the unloved wife uh, gives birth first. Well, the man is not allowed to give the blessing of the firstborn to the first child of the loved wife, since the real firstborn is the one from the unloved wife. So he must not humiliate her or humiliate him he must give proper honor to that boy as his firstborn son then we read about the rebellious son who has no honor or respect for his parents he gets drunk he 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 lives wildly he pays absolutely no attention to what his family says notice the passage doesn't say okay do as fundamentalist Muslims do, do an honor killing, just kill him. That's what happens to this day in certain fundamentalist Muslim cultures. If there's a child, especially a daughter who was deemed to have humiliated the family, they just kill her. No, you don't do that. He's got to be brought to the elders of the community. They've got to have a trial. And then if it's found, that he's guilty of all of these things. Then he is stoned because he dishonored his parents. Now you need to realize that in Jewish life, uh, the Jewish people recognize something that many people do not. And that is that uh, scripture must be interpreted. There are some people who say, "The the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. That's absolutely positively never true. The Bible says it, I interpret it, I believe my interpretation, and that settles it. In the Jewish community, they looked at this passage about the rebellious son, and they said, it's not becoming for God to give us directions to stone to death our children. So they decided, what we'll do is we will codify this law so that he must be stubborn and rebellious and drunk, and doing all of these things simultaneously and be seen doing all of them simultaneously by three unimpeachable witnesses, they make the conditions of his being found guilty to be impossible to fulfill because they found this commandment to be repugnant, morally repugnant. That's the way it is when you interpret law. Now you'll say, what? God gave a morally repugnant law? Yes, it's what I call limit language God, in this commandment, is not so much giving orders about, stu- about children. He is saying, this is the kind of stuff that does not go. This is the kind of stuff that must never be allowed. You may not allow, in your culture, children to have total disregard and disrespect for their elders. It's limit language. Okay finally somebody's been executed the person's a murderer his body is put on the tree but you're not to leave the body up all night long it's not a piece of garbage yes he's been executed and by living on the tree it defiles the land but it also shows disrespect for the body of this person who is made in the image of god in uh, tel aviv when Adolf Eichmann, Yamach Shemov when Adolf Eichmann was awaiting uh, execution in, in Israel, he's the only person that they've ever applied capital punishment to. He, they had a pastor, an American Pentecostal pastor, who visited with him regularly to bring him to repentance. They treated him with a certain modicum of respect because they realized that even though he was a monster who was responsible for the millions, millions of deaths of their families and friends, that he was still a human being made in the image of God. So all of this is about kavod, about proper respect. That's what we're looking at today. In our Haftarah reading, which I'm not going to read the whole thing over again, but you remember the barren woman so, says, sing, barren woman who has never had a child. In the ancient world, that was a very disgraced position. She, you can see that in the story of Hannah, the, uh, the mother of Samuel, the prophet. She is one of two wives. Her co-wife, Penina, uh, just has to think of being pregnant, and she's pregnant. Hannah cannot have, a, cannot have children for years and years and years. She's humiliated, and she's mourning for it. And finally, she prays, and God gives her a son. In the ancient world, a woman who did not bear children was like a a, a, was like a woman who uh, was not a woman at all. But here we see this language, this sensitivity to humiliation. Barren woman who has never had a child, you've never been in labor. You're the deserted wife, and you'll have more children than the one who was living with her husband. That's the good news. Don't be afraid, for you won't be ashamed. There's all these terms of shame. Don't be discouraged, for you won't be disgraced. You will forget the shame of your youth and no longer remember the dishonor of being widowed. So here again, our Haftarah passage also talks about shame and honor. Finally, in our New Covenant reading, which Catherine read for us, Yeshua asks Peter, are you my friend? He does that three times. He says, actually, he says, do you love me? The last time he says, are you my friend? So Kepha replied, Lord, you know everything. You know that I'm your friend. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. Yes, indeed, I tell you, when you were younger, you put on your clothes and you went where you wanted. But When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And carry you where you do not want to go this is the language of humiliation it's hard for a man when he grows old that he can't go where he wants that uh, he needs somebody else to dress him and to take him even where he doesn't want to go oh my god that's the language of shame of humiliation but Yeshua said this to him to indicate by what kind of death Kepha would bring glory to God Kepha was crucified and the story is, is that he asked to be crucified upside down because he felt he was not worthy to be crucified like Yeshua was then Yeshua said to him follow me now here's more Kepha is very sensitive to the fact he feels humiliated he feels humiliated from being asked three times do you love me he feels humiliated by that. He feels humiliated by being told, when you're old, you're going to not be able to go where you want to go and people are going to take you where you don't want to go. So he's really feeling it. And now to kind of get out from under that, he turns and he sees the Talmud, who Yeshua especially loved following behind, the one who had leaned against Yeshua's breast at the supper and had asked, who was the one who was betraying you? And on seeing him, Kepha said to Yeshua, oh Lord, what about him? Yeshua said to him, if I want him to stay on until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. We're going to be looking at this in greater detail. But first, a word about honor. In Hebrew, it's kavod. And believe me when I tell you, it's one of the richest concepts in the Bible and in human life. Kavod is to honor someone, to honor someone is to give them or to show honor or to render Kavod to someone, is to give them weight, because the word Kavod means heavy, is to give them weight, to grant a person respect, and even authority in, in your life. You treat them as weighty, to grant them respect, and even to give them authority in your life. This kavod, this honor, should be accompanied by appropriate attention, conduct, and even obedience. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long on the earth. That meant do what they say. Obey them. Give them appropriate attention. Conduct yourself properly towards them. Honor without such actions is lip service. You can say that you honor someone. But if you don't show it in your actions, it's lip service. God says that to the priest in Malachi. He says, an ox knows its owner, and an ass its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. And a son honors his father. And if I'm your father, where's my honor? So and the the priest says, what do you mean? He He says, you offer me these sick animals, these sick animals that nobody wants. He says, take that to your governor. Would he accept that from you? So the actions don't show kavod, don't show honor. And that's not good enough. Treating someone with honor is treating them like they matter. And there's very few things so so powerful. I can't think of anything right now more powerful in day-to-day life than treating people with unexpected honor people, people who wait on you in Starbucks, strangers, people are moved deeply when they're shown honor. It's a kind of respectful recognition. That's what kavod is. Let's talk about shame. Shame is a sense of embarrassment born of unattractive or undesirable comparisons between oneself and some idealized status or some other persons. When, when you're told, why can't you be smart like your cousin Izzy? Why can't you take off weight like, like your, your, uh, your, your, your cousin Laura? Why can't you dress nicely like so-and-so? Why aren't you as smart as your brother? These are all terrible, horrible shaming statements shame is a sense of embarrassment born of unattractive or undesirable comparisons between oneself and some idealized status or other persons and you can do it to yourself if you're always comparing yourself to other people and shaming yourself it's a terrible thing to do it does not glorify god and we're going to talk about how to cut that out in a few minutes Shame is being regarded or regarding oneself to be won down. It undermines your confidence. It feeds your uncertainty and it derails your momentum. There is nothing good to say about shame except when it's holy shame that comes from God, which is meant to move you to repentance, not to leave you feeling like dirt. That's called worm theology. There was a hymn writer, William Cowper, who said, who did a hymn, Alas, and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote his sacred head for such a worm as I? William Cowper had mental problems. He was, uh, he, he was uh, a manic depressive. And he he was one of the great hymn writers, but he doubted his own salvation. So we can't always sign on to every theological jot and tittle, although he wrote great hymns. You're not a worm. You're never a worm. You're made in the image of God. And shaming yourself undermines your confidence. It feeds your uncertainty and it derails your momentum. So what's the antidote? to shame the antidote to shame is honor the reminder that you matter that's the antidote you need a good and continual dose of kavod so how do we feed honor and how do we starve shame first of all focus on what on who really matters Peter says about the beloved disciples well what about him I mean really saying Yeshua I mean get off my back you ask me three times if I love you then you tell me that I'm, when I'm old I'm going to go to a place that I don't want to go and I'm not going to go where I want I'm going to have to be led around and somebody else is even going to have to dress me what about him Yeshua says to well, him what is that to you follow me it's crucial To avoid shame, it's just focus on who really matters. Ultimately, it's only God who matters. He's the one whose attention uh, you seek, whose honor you promote, whose faithfulness you trust in. Don't be deflected by people. And I'm very sensitive to this. When people show me disrespect on Facebook, I get into it with them because I, don't, I not, can't let that pass. So the first thing to feed honor and starve shame is you need to remember to focus on who really matters. And that is the living God. Blessed be he. Secondly, focus on who you are called to be, what you are called to do. Paul says... In First Corinthians chapter 4, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Messiah and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found, uh, that they be found faithful. Don't let yourself be deflected by other people's expectations of you. Uh, I'll tell you, I've experienced that in my life. I've experienced the humiliation of having a boss who treated me like I was, I, was still, I was 44 years old. I was treated like a pre-adolescent because I didn't do what he wanted me to do the way he wanted me to do it. Focus on who you are called to be, what you are called to do. Paul said to himself, I know who I am. I'm a servant of the Messiah. I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. Thirdly, let God be the ultimate judge, not yourself, that's a surprise, and not others. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 4. He says this amazing thing. He's writing to a congregation which has begun to disrespect him heavily. And he says, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged, disrespected by you, or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. There are some of you whose lives would be totally revolutionized if you just practiced that. He goes on, For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me, Therefore do not do not pronounce judgment even on yourself before the time before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart then each one will receive his commendation from God so don't be deflected by your own self-reproach or by the disrespect you experience from manipulative uncaring people how then shall we live three points we should honor God and his image in others even the most terrible person you know the person who loathes you and whom you loathe is made in the image of God we should honor God we should honor his image in others number two We should disempower shame by maintaining our focus on him, who he called us to be, and what he has called us to do. Third, we should leave the assessment of our lives in the hands of a gracious God. Uh, Paul says he is able to make you stand and uh so leave the assessment of your life in the hands of a gracious god who sent his only begotten son to die for you that's the only person that you need to concern yourself with so this is from hebrews chapter 12 therefore since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us and thereby giving us honor, we're being watched by all the redeemed of all the ages. They're rooting for us. Since we are surrounded by such a great crowd, crowd of witnesses, let us get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Let us run with, race, with endurance the race set before us, focusing on Yeshua. That's right in that text. Focus on Yeshua. Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on the voice of your father or your mother or your sisters or your friends uh, condemning you. Don't focus on these old tapes. Focus on Yeshua, the initiator and perfecter of our faith. Look at this. For the joy set before him, this is what he focused on as he came to the cross. He focused on the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, disregarding and despising its shame. The way in which he disempowered shame was by focusing on the right thing. And he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. May God add his blessing his word and may he set you free from the terrible ungodly shackles of shame which some of you have been carrying and wearing all of your life father it's in your hands now you've blessed us with your word Now bless us with the results we ask in Yeshua's name. Amen.